0: This is the United on Wheels podcast. I am Brooke McCall, United Spinal's Grassroots Advocacy Manager, and someone who loves connecting with our SCI community from across the nation. Art, in its many forms, has great power. Through artwork, we can tell our stories and express our creativity in a way that is therapeutic. Today, I'm speaking with two fellow quadriplegics who are thriving as professional artists. Each are sharing their talents, both to encourage other artists and to create social awareness about living life with a disability to those who view their work. Rebecca Torres is a woman who uses her external creative impulse and insight generously, both in her work as an artist and as the executive director and visionary for the Backbones Community and Chicago Real Abilities Film Festival. Rebecca curates and produces art exhibitions that include her work and that of others in the disability community that voice truths and alter perceptions. Each month, Torres poignantly shares her stylized explorations of life with a spinal cord injury in her column for New Mobility Magazine. My second guest, Wes Holloway, was injured a year into his undergraduate biology studies. His spinal cord injury was the catalyst for Wes to recommit himself to his first passion, art. As a member of the United Spinal Association of Houston's staff, Holloway is the brainchild and creative force behind their Opening Arts and Minds inclusive art program and experience for people of all abilities. Having freshly returned home from his artist residency at the Santa Fe Art Institute, I am thrilled to hear more about his thought-provoking work and how he tells his story through the artwork he creates.
1: You're listening to United on Wheels, the web's best podcast for active wheelchair users. Visit our website, www.unitedspinal.org. Follow United Spinal Association on Facebook. Connect with United Spinal on Twitter via United Spinal. United Spinal Association. Improving quality of life for wheelchair users one day at a time.
2: Welcome, Wes and Rebecca.
3: How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well.
2: I'm doing well, thank you. Okay, great, I'm really excited to speak more about your artistry and um, the ways you found to impact the community. Um, I wanted to really start out asking uh, a little bit more for some of the people um, early on who may be struggling. Um, I know art plays a huge huge role in a lot of people's lives, but for some, um, especially after a cervical level injury, creative outlets can be put on the back burner. Um, as individuals with similar, I know you're both around C5-6 level, um, incomplete injuries, but you both have limited hand function. What does that look like early on when you're re-embracing art and creativity for for yourself?
3: Do you want to go first, Rebecca, or do you want me to?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, when I was, um, I was injured pretty young at the age of 13, um, and I was always, you know, creative and, uh, drawing and stuff. So when I was in rehab, um, it was something that like I wanted to to do right away is like learn how to, how to write and draw again. So when I was doing occupational therapy, that was one of my first goals that I, that I requested to work on was to try and, and draw again. And it was actually quite surprising to, um, to realize that I still was able to do that. And initially everything was very, um, you know, like my lines were, were jagged and different and, um, not as controlled obviously, because I was learning how to use my hands in a different way. Um, but that I think that like mind and hand coordination or whatever you would call it, um, I was able to, I, I was still able to translate what I had in my brain to the paper um, mm-hmm. just differently. So it was really cool to, to see that um, like hope there, there was hope that I could still mm-hmm. be creative
4: and artistic. Mm-hmm. That's great. How
3: about for you? Yeah. For for me, um, I kind of like Rebecca, but I was, you know, I, I was injured, I guess, uh, later on in life, so I was uh, 17, but um, I did art and stuff before. And so again, when I was in re- when I was in rehab, I, you know, set that as a goal that I wanted to get back to drawing and stuff. Um, and so it was, I think, exciting for the physical therapist and um, for me, just like problem solving on like how I would hold a pencil or a brush, or you know, you try all these different like uh adaptive tools and for me um even trying like the regular adaptive tools for like if you hold like a fork or spoon or to type um I always found them more cumbersome than anything else so I was determined to like you know how am I gonna hold a pencil differently and just like Rebecca like my lines and stuff were um you know wobbly and woozy but uh i came to kind of embrace that as just like part of how i write and draw now Um, Mm -hmm. and just kind of went with that
4: perfect Um,
2: i know you both work in multiple mediums um, and i was just curious to know um kind of what you're touching on already Wes. but um can you guys share the ways you've
4: adapted some of your tools for success yeah, um, I started with drawing just because that's what I knew the
3: best. Um, but then, of course, I ventured into painting and collage and other things. Uh, they all kind of have different, uh, I guess, I guess they're rewarding to me in different ways, um, whether it's, you know, shorter time span or um, the size that I can work on or anything like that. Uh, but again, I had to learn, you know, instead of using scissors, I had to, how am I going to use an exacto knife or, um, you know, when I work on something large scale, i put it on the wall or when I work small, I could put it on my lap. So uh, it was just a lot of kind of thinking outside the box, which as I think as artists, we do anyways. And as, uh, you know, someone disabled, we always have to think outside the box of how we're going to adapt all the things to make them work for us. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, one size doesn't fit all and everyone's different. So, uh, yeah, like when yeah, I that...
4: Go ahead. When I do different things, I kind of have to think about how I'm going to do that. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I know
2: Rebecca. I know you work in quite a few like I don't know what medium you don't work in. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about how you've adapted things?
1: Yeah. um, Well, I also initially was doing, um, you know, relearning how to draw and um, and paint, um, and adapting tools like to hold a pen or a um, a a paintbrush. and like Wes, I also found them to be almost uh, a barrier, I guess, uh, initially, yeah. like the, the stuff that they give you in rehab, like to hold the pen, like it just didn't allow me to do what I wanted. So um, I found ways to you know, weave a pencil or a pen or brush um, through my fingers or using like a, a Rubber band, or you know just whatever I had around that that could um, help me hold the tools that I needed in my hand, um, sometimes using my mouth as well to to hold things in a certain way um, and different levels of like tables and things like that. Um, I also uh, do work in uh, fabric and sewing. Um, so I have a background in fashion design and so constructing garments um, which then becomes a little more 3D and a little more difficult so I did have a lot of the dress forms when I was in school and the mannequins lowered to to my level so that I could pin fabric and drape fabric Um, and during class I had assistants to help me so that I could keep up and have a better use of of my time during class Um, but I did have some scissors that were adapted um, so that I could cut fabric. Um, my sewing machine had a button on the front of the, like the dash of it, so that I didn't have to use my foot um, to to um, activate the sewing machine. So it was like a start-stop button, and it also had mm-hmm. a mechanism to cut cut the thread and, and thread it for me. Um, oh, which at fair. the time when I started, those machines weren't really that available where like as of now you can find them um, like at Walmart or something and they're very very affordable which is great to see Um, and then I've also done photography uh, recently and have been playing around with figuring out how to mount a camera onto my chair um, and using different apps um, so that I can use like a wi-fi to be able to to take photographs I'm um, using a camera mm-hmm. and uh, like my phone or, or a tablet or something so that has opened oh. up a lot for me and has, yeah. it's actually currently really exciting for me because I'm playing around with photography
2: yeah no that's exciting I, I know um, I personally definitely feel those limitations when I want to take photos that uh, you know kind of express some of my own perspective and it's hard to do, I often, you know, I always have to have someone else doing it for me, and that can be, you know, kind of an impediment to seeing what I want to do, but, mm-hmm. cool. Um, I know you both have a common theme to your artwork of exploring the body and kind of just juxtap- juxtaposition of societal norms um, as two people living with spinal cord injuries. Can you tell me more
4: about the conversations you hope to provoke through your artwork? Lots well, to go. I'll go first. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Um.
3: Yeah. I mean, when I initially, um, of course, started doing art, I didn't intentionally like think, "Oh, I want to make work about the body" or anything like that. But I think just inherently, like as you're working, that is going to come up in conversation when people want to talk about your work because they're going to. Obviously, they're gonna say, "How did you do this?" And you know, you have to kind of talk about your body and how you make things, kind of like what we just said. Um, so then, of course, you know, as just an artist, I was like just trying to figure things out with, you know, uh, how my body was changing and all these kind of things. And I always tell people that, um, like, having a disability you would kind of have to learn a vocabulary that you never really wanted to learn so mm-hmm. because i'm such like a visual learner like it almost helped me like when a doctor or therapist would like say like oh why don't you you know try this or with these muscles or whatever and so like i would have to learn those things to where i could i guess be a compliant patient um so my mm-hmm. So my uh, art just kind of took that on just because it was like what was going on with me. Um, And of course now it's like, I think it's a lot of the conversations that I have with people. um, And I think this is with any kind of like minority group, if you're making work kind of based on, you know, even if it's not the body, like uh, let's say, climate change or social justice or whatever, uh, like you make art to start those conversations. So in a way that's like thought provoking and challenges the viewer, uh, as opposed to just like walking up to somebody and saying like, Hey, this is what it's like to be a quadriplegic. Um, Mm -hmm. You kind of work on figuring it yourself. And then of course people will ask questions and, But it's like a lot of kind of just like education. So those are the conversations that I like to have with people that, um, they learn things that they never even didn't know that they didn't know, you know?
1: Right,
2: right, right.
1: How about you, for you, Rebecca? Well, so I think my artwork exploring the body, um, I I think it's a little bit similar to Wes where, you know, it had to do with my own awareness of my body. Um, and I think for a long time, I, I tried to sort of keep my disability stuff separate from my art stuff. Um, and honestly, I don't know why I, I did that. I just kind of felt like I should. Um, and, um, but yeah, in, in I think it was 2008 or 2009, I started doing uh, yoga, and I also read a book by Matthew Sanford, who's a, a, a quadriplegic and a yoga instructor um, out in Minnesota, and realized like that I had really been ignoring my body and um, the parts that were paralyzed. And I just, it just really resonated with me. And as I was doing yoga, just like learning about my body, feeling different things um, and understanding the way that I moved or didn't move. Um, and I just kind of became fascinated with anatomy and bodies. Um, and i, I it, that kind of brought in some of the the work I had done with like fashion where I had to learn to do fashion illustration and the way that bodies, you know, just the, like the, the balance of bodies and and the way Mm -hmm. fabrics hang on the body and things like that. But then, um, yeah, it just became an awareness of of my own body and learning about what I felt. And um, like I said, how I moved and, and, and my relationship with the, with the world and me being in the world. Um, and I think, um, you know, now my work is completely intertwined with the, the work that I do that my disability work, my own, my own body, other people's bodies. Um, and currently I'm, I'm also very interested in, um, in pain and pleasure and how a body with a spinal cord injury can, can really experience both of those things.
2: Mm, That's wonderful. Yeah. Well just kind of going beyond um, what you're saying here. uh, I know you've both been very busy lately um, with successful exhibits and projects. And I, I'd really love to know more about what's going on. Um, You can start with you, Rebecca. I'd really love to hear more about the, Trace Fridas project and um, kind of if I could have you share a bit more about its evolution and how you um, started your collaboration with some other um, artists with disabilities.
1: Yeah, the Tres Fridas project was um, initially, I guess, the first the first contact was in 2014 when I met Miriam um, Pare online. We met online and we didn't meet for about a year in person. We just kind of communicated over the phone and on Skype. Even though we live like 45 minutes away from each other, we weren't (laughs) far at all. Um, But, you know, we started talking about Frida Kahlo and how much she had influenced our work. Um, And we're like, oh, we should just go to Mexico and visit um, La Casa Azul, where her studio is and her home. And, you know, that was our, our first thought, that we should do this together. And then As we kept brainstorming, we decided to recreate the image of the two Fridas, um, where they're holding hands. Um, But we wanted to do it in our wheelchairs, and we wanted our chairs to 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 be there to not be like the main focus of it, but also but just kind of have people do a double take, and um, Mm -hmm. with the goal of sharing with people that Frida was a woman with a disability that not a lot of people understand that or know that, you know, they think of her and they think like the Mexican painter with the eyebrows or the mustache. And, um, they don't think of, you know, her other identities, um, other than, um, than that. So we, we really wanted to have that be a focus and, and we recreated that and we loved doing it so much that we decided to, to, uh, recreate, other famous works of art or, uh, or pop culture that, you know, throughout history that we could recreate and really have something to say about um, the human experience of disability. And so it took us five years to, to work on this. And um, we were trying to do 20 images, but we, we ended up doing 16 images. And we just exhibited in September of this year um, in Chicago and are currently, uh, looking around to see if we can tour the show, but it was, it's been, you know, it has, it's got, it got a lot of, uh, good feedback, um, and press here in Chicago. So we're very happy with, um, with that exhibition and people really, um, gave us great feedback on, you know, things that they, that they learned that they hadn't thought of, of what it's like to live with a disability.
2: Yeah, well, it looks beautiful. Um, I really hope you make it to the West Coast, and I'd love to see it. Um,
1: Thank
3: you. Wes,
2: of course. Yeah, no. It, yeah,
3: bring it, it bring it down it, to this West coast, West. too. The yeah, Third coast. yeah
2: we, need to, we need to take it all around the, the nation.
3: Um, yeah. West,
2: I really enjoyed seeing the development I would love of the it. opening arts. Oh, yeah. Of opening arts in my studio. Um, can you tell us more about bringing that idea about, and really what's been happening in your first year?
4: Yeah, um, well, we started, um, with,
3: uh, kind of this idea of, it was the chapter leader of, um, United Spinal Easton, um, was my occupational therapist, uh, Mm. way back when. And so he had kind of seen like how much like, uh, you know, art really helped me, um, after my injury. And so we kind of had it in the back of our mind for a long time to, but there was no programs or anything like even in the hospital, uh, like for that. And so we've always kind of wanted to do it. And then, um, I guess a grant came along and he was able to write for it, uh, to where, When I was in school, you know, I got my degree in studio art, but I also, um, did art education. So there's a way for me to, um, kind of take that knowledge and,
4: uh, my teaching skills to a population that really needs it. Um,
3: and so we studio space and we really didn't even know like how many people were going to show up or if there'd be anybody, if there'd be any interest.
4: Um, but after, you know, like the pretty much the first week, uh, people were already like asking like, oh, well, you know, can we
3: sign up or how do we do it? Or, um, mm. and so we, we learned really quickly that it, gonna catch on uh which I was glad. Um so now mm-hmm. it, we've we opened it up to anybody uh affected by disability. So even um family members or caretakers or uh mm-hmm. you know everybody has kind of this these different experiences when it comes to a um, spinal cord injury. Mm-hmm. So uh you know, I teach twice a month there and then twice a month we just open up the studio for people to come and do their own work because I might, you know, I want people to kind of explore their own uh, ways of doing things.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and so after our first six months, we uh, had an exhibition and opened it up to the public for everyone to come see. So. Kind of like Trace Fierro, like it was a great opportunity to um, bring it out to the community. So not only was it just rewarding for us, but then we were able to share that
4: um, these stories with other people, um, and it's a way to kind of uh-huh. do art, but also like it's really become a little kind of
3: family because it gives people an opportunity to do things that they might not
4: be able to do or get out and do or try um, so yeah I think are our I think people are like one, I think our white one year I
1: was going to ask you if, if people are like coming back and like are you noticing them progressing and just like
4: doing some awesome artwork yeah um, especially like Finding things that, like,
3: again, everyone's kind of brainstorming about how they would do things differently.
4: Um, And seeing stuff like that uh, for people that would never
3: do art. And another kind of rewarding thing is that, you know, I tell people, like, even if you're not, like, going to be a painter or a drawer, you can take these
4: skills your everyday life and you know learn like oh this is how
3: I could hold the pen and then therefore I can now write a check or you know uh, you can even brainstorm somebody like oh what kind of wheelchair
4: do you have you know that's really cool you see equipment that you might not have known about before um, so it's it's always interesting to see what People kind of uh, come out of it knowing. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's really. I, I love the, how your inclusivity
2: um, with letting everyone come in. I think art can be so therapeutic. So um, yeah, it sounds like a really exciting opportunity. We would love to. <laughs> we would
3: love to open it up more to people, um, like more than once a week. But uh,
4: you know, it's a matter of staffing and having time and um,
2: mm-hmm. so yeah well there's lots of room to grow but sounds really that sounds like a wonderful thing for the community I know that if we have something like that locally I would want to participate um, going uh, beyond that um I know you're both very much a strong community advocates, and um, as I mentioned previously Wes I know you just returned from the Santa Fe Art Institute for a Creative Access Fellowship. And Rebecca, I know you did this a few years ago. Um, It sounds like programs like this encourage artwork um, as an an awareness and a mechanism for some social justice or just a bigger um, exploration. Um, Can you tell me more about maybe that experience or some other things that you've done similarly and ways that you've found your own artwork
4: can have impact um, on a social discussion? I know, community. Wes, you just got back, so maybe mm-hmm. you want to share. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because I think it was a three-year like grant for the Creative
3: Access Fellowship Program, and this is their third year. Um, mm-hmm. So they are trying to keep it going
4: um, for multiple years, um, I guess. if they are successful. But uh, I mean, I I love the fact that it was like a whole month of
3: just being able to create and do and be around people that were like-minded and stuff like that. Um, But then also, again, you know, the other residents, there was I think 12 of us, they were constantly as artists themselves, they were constantly curious. So the questions that they were asking me, like, oh, is, is this accessible? Or, you know, they had a new awareness about getting around town or driving or all these kind of things um, that I was like, oh, it was eye-opening for me, but it was also eye-opening for lots of people that were just there. And uh, I don't know, when you were there, Rebecca, were you the only one that was the creative access fellow yeah or words yeah so there was actually two others when I was there um so the people at Santa Fe Art Institute were saying that they don't typically like kind of stack us up but they uh they did this time so it was really interesting because the we were all different levels so you know I was C five six. Another artist was, I think he his injury was like a T level, and then another one. She was like C, she might have been C six as well, but she had some recovery, so she was um, able to stand and walk. And um, so he did illustrations and comics, and she was a writer. So it was really interesting to see
4: kind of how other people like in the moment work and approach things and. Uh, then it was, I think, cool for the other residents to see as well um,
3: how differently different injuries or different styles can come about.
4: Um, yeah.
3: It was a huge, I mean, huge learning experience. It was my first time ever, like, l- pretty much living somewhere else and having to navigate, uh, you know, caretakers and, getting there and getting around and
4: all that kind of stuff. So, uh, just that in itself was, uh, rewarding. Very, very cool. Rebecca, how about you? Yeah, it, for me, it was
1: a, it was a really great experience. I've actually done two of the creative access, uh, fellowships. I did the Vermont studio center, uh, back in, I think, 2014. And then I, I did the Santa Fe in seventeen. Um, but the yeah, I think you know, I'm super grateful at the the Craig Nielsen Foundation for like having a program like this, because um, residencies like this are not usually very accessible, and mm-hmm. um, you know, before this, I, I didn't really know that this was a thing that artists could do. And, um, going there, you know, I had my self-doubts and I was like, oh my God, am I really an artist? And I'm going to be surrounded by all these people that are going to be really good. And, you know, I felt, I felt a lot of self-doubt. And, um, once I was there, you know, being surrounded by other artists, I think it made me feel like a legit artist. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, okay, like I'm here, I belong here. Um, mm-hmm. and That was a good, like an awesome realization that I don't think, you know, as people with disabilities and even so with people with disabilities who are artists, um, we don't often get that like validation that like we belong and we, the work that we're doing is important and, um, that we should continue doing it and that it has value and we get money for it. Um, Mm -hmm. so you know that that was like the start of me thinking about, you know, how I can be a professional artist, how I can get paid for my work um, and value my own work as well. Um, and then being surrounded by other artists that are also doing work in social justice, um, the cohort that I had when I was in the Santa Fe. Institute it was a it was all focused on equal justice so there was people doing work in different areas um but I think with everyone had that same like attitude that our work was was to say something and to make change um so it was a very supportive atmosphere um and you know one of the things that you know, Wes mentioned, and him and I both talked about this too before going, it's like how to navigate, um, having a personal care attendant. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was one of the things that is, is also something that needs to be solved. Like it's, you travel to this from your home and you, know how do you figure out who comes with you for a month and who, you know, is there someone that can leave, leave their life for a month or so? Um, to help you and then what does that person do aside from helping you like if they get bored or is it someone that you want to be around all the time um so it it can get tricky and i and sometimes um you know there, there's things to to navigate before you get there but i think the experience overall is um is a really positive one, and I think it's empowering for a lot of of artists um, with disabilities and I, I i hope that they continue to get funding so that um, they can support other artists because I think it's much needed
3: yeah and, and, uh, it was I, I don't know if they were there when you were there, Rebecca, but um two of the like grant reporting people came um when I was there and so like they were asking questions about you know the challenges and the things about um the program itself. So I was able to
4: um like kind of really voice the my concern about like it's, it's how
3: great of an opportunity it was, but you've got these hurdles that people probably don't even apply because they're like how am i going to have a caregiver or, you know um how am i going to get there all those kind of things that we had to navigate ourselves which i don't think is a is a problem but um i
4: wanted them to at least be aware like those are some hurdles that uh people probably like don't even voice cuz they're like you know Well, I was recently at I, I, this past uh, week. I was at the Grantmakers
1: in the Arts uh, conference in Denver, and I was asked to present on uh, like disability aesthetics and how grant funders can or grant makers can support artists with with um, disabilities. And that was one of the things that I that you know myself and other people on the panel talked about how you know, in order for us to create our artwork and to have the space to create, like, we need to have these support things in place, whether it's extra money for equipment that, that is like adaptive equipment or, um, to be able to have to pay someone to help you, like, you know, cut your paper for your collages or cut my fabric or, um, you know, things like that, that, um, many times people are discouraged to apply for funds or for, or, you know, for their work because it doesn't necessarily always fit with the way that all that other applications are out there. Right. Um, but because we need different things and we shouldn't have to fit, um, fit the, you know, we should be able to have all of these other things in order to be able to create. So I thought that was cool that we had the opportunity to to share that with the people that are funding work.
4: Right.
3: Again, there's not, you know, not out of, like, malice. People just don't know, you know, until they're told,
4: like, oh, this was a challenge or this "This was a struggle for me or whatever. Uh, And then they're like, oh,
3: I didn't even think about it.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah no, I think the
2: logistics conversation is huge and obviously um I think this conversation is uncovering something I think a lot of people know but maybe are not paying attention uh when it comes to we need more funding for the arts overall but, but yeah especially to support um disabled artists that's huge um I kind of wanted to just find out from you guys, um, I know there's probably more programs that I'm just unaware of um, that maybe you recommend to budding artists or, or folks that really want to take that next step to um, start, you know, like you said, becoming a, a professional artist or just any wisdoms
4: out, or anyone out there who wants to re-embrace their own artistic creativity after a SCI. Um. I would, I mean, I guess I would just say like, you know, find, find a community in your, wherever you live, um, whether
3: it's, you know, a kind of an artist space or, um, you know, start going to kind of, uh, whether it's like gallery openings or things like that to like
4: ask questions to people and be like. Oh, where can I, you know, where can I get an opportunity to
3: create, or just like being around other people that know things that for your city? Um, most cities, I think, you know, they have funding for things. It's just a matter of then finding where that money can go to, and of course, half the battle is knowing people, and then having those people kind of give you a heads up on what opportunities there are so uh you know you can only do so much on a computer you kind of have to go meet people and then figure
4: out what those opportunities can lead you Mm -hmm. great i would add that yeah i would add that um I mean, artists and
1: creatives are great problem solvers. And I think that people with disabilities are also great problem solvers. With it. So, you know, even if you are going to a space where, you know, maybe the program isn't necessarily tailored for or or has been advertised as, you know, to be for people with disabilities, like, so what? <laughs> Just go in there if you have the desire to create um, and to to do some work like you know, go for it and they'll be you know more often than not people are willing to figure out what it what it takes to to have you participate um and then the other thing you know is, 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 I've been thinking about this recently too how I mentioned that you know I try to keep my disability stuff and my art stuff separate you know it's and it really became a lot more meaningful to me once once I sort of merged the two. Um, but you know, and and thinking about what I said, how at the beginning, you know, my lines were were you know not as crisp or whatever, or you know, my, my work became different after. Um, you know, the, what I could create became different. Um, after my injury, and so I think embracing that instead of trying to fit a mold of what an artist is, because I think there is there is such a thing as disability art and culture, and it doesn't need to fit something else like we can create it and we can make it be what we want it to be.
2: yeah, totally. Thank you both, for sharing so much this has been i've I've learned a lot myself um both about the two of you and then more about um. Just your 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 pushes into artistry. Um, I I know you both have a lot in the mix. Is there anything you'd like to share
4: with our listeners or uh, further promote personally? Not really.
1: I am? <laughs> I'm looking forward to taking some time off after this exhibition. <laughs> it's like vegging out. So. You know, I'll get back to you once I start doing stuff
2: again. <laughs> okay. And and Wes, if um, people in Houston want to be more involved, is can you um, tell the tell us more about uh, the opening for your studio or anything about that?
3: Yeah. So I mean, people can uh, go to either uh, unitedspinalhouston.org, dot org. That's our website, um, or my website is westhollowayart dot com, and both of those will you can kind of navigate
4: those to find my email address and email me and uh, have any questions or how to find us or whatever. Um, Also just on Facebook, um, we're always
3: keeping people up to date. So they like us on Facebook.
2: um, Perfect. And do do you guys want to share your... Uh, social media or, or websites just if somebody wants to look up your work I know you will have great stuff
3: my Instagram is Wes and then underscore and underscore Jeff my
4: my crazy dog
1: okay
3: if you like dogs
4: and artists you
3: can follow me
1: even better. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow you right now. I don't think I follow you.
3: <laughs> what is yours?
1: Um, uh, it is Rebecca, Rebecca Art, or R E V E C A R T.
2: Perfect. Well, thank you both for joining me, and um, thanks for listening to the United On Wheels podcast.
1: United Spinal Association visit our website, www.unitedspinal.org.
4: Thanks for listening.